Welcome everyone to the Ice Prep Podcast. Hard to believe we are already on episode four. These weeks are just flying by. How's it going, Pat? Not bad. Can't believe we are, you know, past midway through November. That that seems wrong. Um, it's uh, it's only four forty-five when we're recording. It's also apparently nighttime. Uh, so the world is backwards, and time doesn't matter. And I think that's pretty much how the west coast standings are also going right now that everything is backwards not how it should be we will get into that later uh we talked about it actually on in the second week on episode two how is the pacific actually like the north of last year uh we will get into that because you you look at how the standings are and those teams and it's kind of scary but we have to start i think talking leafs we we kind of go back and forth with talking about the leafs off the top and pushing it to a little bit later. And yeah, they've, they've played well. They've won nine of their last ten as of us recording. They do have a game tonight, the day that we are recording. So they'll either continue that or they'll start a little slide. But it was the big four. The last little bit, it's been that third line. And it's been a guy that we have talked up immensely that you were sad that was traded away. But now it's finally uh, the other two line mates on that third line are starting to step up. And you had actually said something to me that I had no idea about. I honestly think it's the coolest thing ever that I haven't seen anywhere involving Cache and Kempe. Yeah, so this is something I saw on Twitter, which means, you know, obviously a really credible source. So uh, whatever you see on Twitter is true. Uh, You should always believe it. Um, but I did see this, uh, I can't remember the account, but it was uh, David Kampf and Ange Kasia. Um, they played hockey, I believe they're Czech, um, they played hockey together growing up. As kids, you know, they, they, they played hockey growing throughout the league, everything like that. And then once they got into the NHL, that's when the split happened. So they went to different teams and they really hadn't played with each other since. So here they are on the Leafs being able to play with each other again. And you can kind of tell when you watch their, their body language online and everything like that, you can tell that they're like, they it's more than just line mates. They've been friends for... A while and like it got me kind of thinking it would be really really cool to see more of that like especially you know Tavares and Stamkos together that would be <laughs> either really good or really bad I don't know well, I, that's what the Olympics are for if uh, if they happen this year I guess right true that's true but you know it is pretty cool though because I mean obviously you can see it um when they play for their national team they'll most likely play together in some capacity but the fact that they get to play together uh on an NHL team and you know get to do that every day like that it's kind of it's got to be pretty cool for them and let's be honest, that last Kempe goal, the celebration from Cache when he, the assist, was unreal. Like, that is the happiest I've seen somebody ever for an assist. It was, as you said, you can tell that there's, like, a long-standing history between them. And Kerfoot on that line as well, who we have talked up. People are probably like, really, all you guys do is talk about Kerfoot. He's a third-line player, but he slots in everywhere since they put that line together and he was pushed down from the second line, if we want to call that line the second, you and I can argue over that uh, forever, essentially. But the Leafs finally have a third line that isn't an issue. If you look at the last few years, teams that have gone deep for a cup run, teams that have won the Stanley Cup, 
Yeah, you've got to have the superstars up front. You have to have a third line that can go out in any situation. And I think the Leafs finally found it. And I think we're starting to see what everybody kind of expected them to be last year. Yeah, um, the third line is really interesting to me because they're they're not the most skilled hockey players on the ice it like even in comparison to like Spezza sitting on the fourth line right now um i i believe that in theory he is overall the better player however um the chemistry between the three of them uh it's very good but the one thing i think i've noticed the most um is Ange Kasha is like a drunk toddler on skates. Um, every time that he's on the ice, he can't stay up. I don't know if anyone <laughs> else has noticed this. He'll enter the zone and he's like sliding over the blue line on his chest, but he gets right back up. He continues to fall and stumble and make these weird mistakes, but like pushes through it and perseveres. And he just keeps like, being really positive and fails to success it's this weird like he i don't get it i don't get it but you know what he i is, love it he is the new dustin brown i don't dustin know. brown was known as the player that would always just fall and get back up that's yeah. literally how one of the best writers in hockey got their twitter handle and their nickname down goes brown oh i guess that's true I don't know. It's just, it's so fun to watch. Like, I think that's probably my favorite part of Leafs games, and it has nothing to do with the game. It's just this one player that clearly just needs to work on his balance and, and everything like that, but damn it, it's fun. And on the, the more stat side of things, when you look, here's how you know the Leafs are having a much better time, that they're not having to do the, like, 23-24 minutes of... Matthews and Marner and Tavares, which is what everybody was calling for when Babcock was the coach. The third line, so you've got Kerfoot, who gets out there for a lot of penalty kill time as well, mm-hmm. averaging almost 15 minutes a game. Camp, averaging 14 and a half. Cache, averaging 13. That is, so they're able to throw out that third line in a lot of situations. Some teams, like years past for the Leafs, I feel like the third line numbers would be like, maybe 10 minutes, maybe nine max. So this, you talk to, like, talking to my father-in-law or my dad about the Leafs, and there's always been complaints that they're just so soft at the back end and that if if the top two lines aren't out there, you know that there's going to be trouble that is just like, well, as long as the other team can't score two goals, it's it's nice to see the Leafs finally have something good happen to them though we do kind of live off of seeing them struggle and bad things happen, if if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, like, watching the games every single time, I'm just like, come on, blow out for the other team that's playing Toronto. <laughs> um, just because there's nothing more delicious than Leafs Twitter. Um, you know, Leafs Twitter is more fun when something's wrong. Like, when they mixed up the lines the other day, and they went back to Matthews and Marner on the top line, and Nylander and Tavares, it was, it was like, you know that they had gone on a losing streak of 27 games because Twitter was so outraged by this reversion back at a practice. And (laughs) it's just, it was hilarious and I love it. So whenever drama or anything happens like that, I'm all in. But you did mention something about 
um, the depth and the grit and everything like that. And they picked up someone uh, with Kyle Clifford. So Kyle Clifford is back on their roster in theory. He's he's down in the AHL right now, um, but they clearly liked him. Um, so it's nice to see him back because he's, he's a hometown boy. He's from Toronto, so he, he wanted to, or he's at least from Ontario. Um, so he wanted to be back on the team, I think. Yeah, it's one of those weird ones because he was put on waivers by St. Louis, cleared waivers, then the Leafs traded for him for future considerations, which when you're hearing that, you're going, okay, wait, why didn't they just claim him off of waivers? Because then the Leafs would have had to then immediately play him on their NHL roster, which is what they don't want to have to do right away. So this way, they still get the player that they want, who, it was confirmed, the Leafs did try to sign and he left the team last year, so he was with the team in the bubble, wasn't with the team for the North Division. He's one of those players that, well, with the way that uh, Michael Bunting is playing right now, even though he's up on the first line a lot, uh, he could see time sooner than later. He could be one of those players that swaps in and out depending on uh, who the Leafs are playing. Maybe he follows them on the West Coast trip, maybe not. But good. For, he was fun to watch. Honestly, um, and I think there's a big portion of Leafs fans that are like, big guy likes to punch, we're happy, so. Yeah, and I mean, he, he gets in front of the net pretty well, too. Um, I know that, because I, I've, he because he's been on the West Coast, or at least like in that area, um, for a while, um, I've seen him be a nuisance to, to a lot of the teams that I would watch. Um, and yeah, like just the other, uh, I don't know, maybe two weeks ago, I think St. Louis played Colorado and he was there and he was noticeable. Like he was, he was irritating to play against. So it's a good person to have on your roster. Like I would love to have him on the abs cause he's irritating to play against. He's one of those as much as everybody's trying. Well, there's a big argument about this right now. He is one of those players that if you have him on your team for the playoffs, he's better than the regular season because the rules don't matter yep. in the playoffs as much. And that's a, that's a whole other thing. I don't think we're going to get into that because John Tortorella and McDavid, uh, they're going back and forth. McDavid even was mentioning it after the op, like the practice today. So that's a whole fun thing going on. It's been a hectic week in the hockey world. Yeah, it has. And the one thing actually this season that continues to be hectic, because it was hectic once again, uh, was waiver claims. We saw Abdu, uh, I can't, I, I, I sincerely apologize, but the, the, the player that Colorado picked up from uh, the waiver claim from Philadelphia, and then poor Adam Brooks. <laughs> that that kid is going to be on every single team this season and it's he's gonna, not even going to be traded for anything. He's going to be put on waivers and then, you know, he's now in Vegas. He just got to uh Montreal, played a game or two or three or 10, I don't know, uh in Montreal, then was yeah, claimed by Vegas, but he was on the Leafs. So like where's he going to end up next? Is he going to be in Minnesota? Like Well, let's... and you know the Leafs were going to try to claim him 100%, but Vegas had the rights first because they finished lower in the standings during the regular season last year. The way the waivers work is kind of crazy when you go into it, but the yeah, Vegas, seeing that made me wonder. We won't get too much into Vegas unless you want to dive deep in because they've started to turn things around. Remember how we were saying, are they going to be in trouble of 
needing Eichel to come back early, who apparently his surgery went so well that he walked out of the hospital after it happened. Just think about that. Getting something done on your spine, getting a replaced, and you can walk out of the hospital after. Um, Science. But Vegas, it's it's (laughs) unreal. And he's going to be one of those case studies for years to come for the NHL, so that will also be interesting. But don't want to go too deep on it, but when we were talking a few weeks ago about Vegas being in trouble, since then... They've won seven and lost three. So they they are on a tear. So yes, but no. They still they have something they need to look at, and that is the amount of shots on goal that they're receiving. So Robin Leonard right now is the goalie with the most shots uh, shot attempts on him, um, and he's he's doing well. Don't get me wrong, but when you see 400-plus shots in, you know, how many games have they played? 15, 16 games? That's a lot of activity. That's a lot of work for a goalie. So they've got to work on that. That's obviously going to be coming down to the defense and everything like that. They're, They're still posting good numbers. They're still putting up wins, but they can't keep having that happen. They can't have him at the peak if they want to be dangerous they can't rely on outscoring. That's what Colorado relied on, and it only got them so far. You need defense. Series are won with tough games, not by blowouts. Well, uh, the back on the to go back on this, their coach is Peter DeBoer. I know him well. He was with the Devils for a while. One thing, if he has a goalie that likes to have shots, he will make the defense allow like low-danger, low-chance shots on the goalie so that he can get warmed up. There have been a few goalies like that in the past. Pecorine was like that for the longest time. Every single game, Nashville had probably the best defense in the league, but they were still giving up 40, 45 shots almost every single night just because that's what he needed to warm up. So I'm not sure if it's a little bit of that because the defense that Vegas has, uh, their top pair is going to be the top pair for Team Canada. So it's not like they don't have the defensive players out there, but it could be that without having uh, probably their best forwards and defensive forwards who are all the same players, that could be part of it. It'll It's a balancing act, but as of right now, they're outscoring their problems because they were looking like they were going to have to trade their way into just trying to sniff at the playoffs. And since they are looking... Let's be honest, they're looking solid. It's the same kind of with the Avs, who, for the longest time, uh, I know every single game they were going to play, you were looking at the standings going, we're not going to make it, we're going to have to rebuild, this is the worst thing ever. Now they're 7-5-1 and one as of recording this. They've played two less games than St. Louis. They're three points back. If they win their next two, be even with Nashville. So as much as Colorado's out of it, They're still in it. They've turned things around, even with the injury bug, which at this point isn't an injury bug. It's like an injury grenade in Colorado. Yeah, I was going to call it the injury dump truck. Like, (laughs) just before the last game, well, just before, about a a day or two before, um, uh, you hear that uh, JT Confer, so the center that was replacing Nathan McKinnon, who's out for three weeks, is now day-to-day, week-to-week. So he's no longer going to be in that. So, 
And Bo Byram, they were hopeful he was going to be able to. He's just not feeling it after taking that shot to the head that didn't even get a penalty or any second look at. Um, it's the the injury dump truck is real, but they're they're well trucking along. They're still able to keep going, but they have had weaker teams. So yes, and the thing with uh, Bo and Byram is he does have a history in the past of a concussion being improperly diagnosed, and it led to a lot. Of issues that story resurfaced in the last few days because of what had happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you are looking for some reading to do, if you want a homework assignment, go find that information. Uh, it's it's kind of it's kind of scary. Uh, it it is nice that things like that are becoming more public. They're not just hidden behind. Uh, you have situations where a goalie gets hit in the head, they get pulled out for concussion protocol, and your team goes on to lose in the shootout. But I'd rather that then the goalie potentially staying on and something else happening. For those not sure what I'm talking about, Mackenzie Blackwood, uh, for the Devils hitting the head, it wasn't anybody's fault. Devils go on to lose in the shootout. You could you could argue either way, but there are times when the defenders have to stop pushing mm-hmm. the attacking forward into the goalie. It is happening way too much. But back to, we'll, we'll jump back to the ass. I jumped to the Devils a little too quick on that one. The one thing that I will say that the Avalanche are very lucky for, and who would have thought this when the trade happened? Uh, Kadri is back in form. Yeah, uh, I don't know how this is real life, but the top point getter is Nazem Kadri with 17 points. He is leading the Colorado Avalanche with 17 points. Landeskog has 14, uh, and, you know, Rantanen, he's not far off, but even still, Kadri, he put up three points in their previous game against uh, Vancouver, which, I mean, Vancouver, well, you should put up three against Vancouver. I mean, they've got a fantastic goaltender. They really do. Thatcher Demko is one of my favorite goaltenders, just simply because his name is one of the best names in hockey. Um, but they just they don't look good. You can tell they don't care. Uh, there was there was something I saw earlier today. Um, it was 3-2 um, in the game that they played against Colorado. So the score is 3-2 for Colorado. Uh, the goalie was pulled uh, for Vancouver, and they were taking a timeout. The bench for Colorado, everyone was huddled around the coach. They're all doing the game plan. They're trying to figure it out. They're trying to, you know, how do we protect? How do we make sure that we seal this win? And the Vancouver bench... There was like two or three people just kind of leaning up against the boards, just kind of chilling. Like they they didn't care, and like that to me embodies the past little bit with Vancouver. It's like they've just kind of given up a bit. Travis Green's lost the room, and Jim Benning's lost the fans. Absolutely, the the team. It's no longer the team needs to rebuild. It's the foundation needs to rebuild, and it could be they have. They have the personnel. They have the players that a new coach coming in could turn it around if they do it quick enough. The longer they wait, obviously not every team is going to be the St. Louis Blues of a few years ago. Last in the league, turn things around because this goalie comes, jumps up, becomes this unreal train, and then you go on to win the Stanley Cup. But you look at the players that Vancouver has, they... You want to talk about a team that is underperforming? That is probably the most underperforming team in the league at this time. A change in coach, which for whatever reason, after a meeting 
with the owners, nothing is going to happen. How can you not look at Vancouver even as an outsider, let alone a fan? I know people with seasons tickets that can't even sell them for like half price right now. Yeah. So it's it's this crazy like Vancouver has unreal star power that teams across the league would kill for and they're just letting it go to waste on this very tight window that they have because some of those superstar contracts yeah they're signed they're going to be worth a lot more in a few years when they're up yeah and it's funny like you look at their top point getter right now is JT Miller really to me that's that's not a problem though he no, was but... brought in as a player that was supposed to do something like that. Even when the first season that he was there, everybody was like, oh, he's washed up. He can't be that good. He is, he's like the ultimate hype man that also gets points on the side. He was the best thing that could have happened to that team, except now it's really showing that they need a change above the players and the Akalinis are too stubborn. No, the JT Miller is not that role. JT Miller is not the number one point getter on the team. He is not the number one goal scorer on the team. That is wrong. And I like this is coming from a person that has a whole bunch of talent on the the team that they follow. That is completely and wholeheartedly wrong. You've got Bo, his name, his nickname is Scorvat. And he like he's he's barely even up there. You've got Quinn Hughes, you know, supposedly supposed to be like at the same level as Kale McCarr. Well, Quinn, Quinn Hughes got... has fourteen points. He has two points back of Adam Fox, who has the most points for defensemen. So Hughes is playing his role. Yeah, it is yes. But you've got some of Patterson. the other superstars. Oh. Come on, you've got su- like literally what you said. Superstars. They have people that on their team that people would kill for, and they're doing nothing. Like you look at Pedersen's contract, and I feel like that's the reason why he isn't playing. He every single day he wakes up and he's like, I, I make way too much money, and like that's it. Like he just he's he was way overvalued. A hundred percent. As soon as I saw that contract roll out, I was like, oof, oof, that's an overpayment. Bad choice by anybody who thought that was a good idea um, because that number is clearly showing unless he does something to turn that around very, very quickly. He either has the yips, he's either uh, injured, or he had a a couple good goals. I don't even want to say last season was good. It It was okay. He was injury bugged, but like... It's just everybody on that team just seems to just have given up, including their captain. That's on the coach, though. To me, that is on the coach. That is where we can... The easiest example that I can pull is look at the last little bit of the Leafs under Babcock. It's the exact same thing. The best players weren't showing up. You had the player that wasn't supposed to be the greatest that is getting all the points. Somebody... Yes, there always has to be somebody scoring. No, there doesn't. But JT Miller, he gets those dirty goals. He gets those dirty points. To me... But he, he shouldn't be the top. You can't say that he, he should shouldn't be the, top. be the top. I agree on that. But the <laughs> fact that he is up there is not a bad thing. It means that the underlying numbers for them are great. There's just bigger problems that for whatever reason, Vancouver's like, yeah, nothing's wrong here as like the entire organization is going to set themselves back further and further every minute that that leadership group is still there. Like, they have to go out before every game, before every practice, before every single time the microphone is turned on to say to the media, 
Stop being so negative and mean to us. That's Do pathetic. your job and win. Yeah, like, don't be mean to us. Oh, darn. Your salary, that's so much money that you make. Everything, like, that's part of the job. Part of the job is to perform and to prove that you're worth that money. Like, I, when I go to work and what I do, my job is to do the role that, that I have been hired for and to pretty much prove every day, this is why you hired me. Because I can do the work that you need me to do. And clearly, people aren't able to do that. And sometimes that's on the supervisor or in this place, the coach yes. or the general manager. Well, we know it's both of them. Yeah. So <laughs> it, the, if something – this is how worked up we're getting. I'm not even a Vancouver fan. I just like exactly. Bo Minus like, the headshot. They have so many players that every single week we should be forced to talk about because of – they should be up there – just behind where the Oilers superstars are on the points list. Instead, you get everybody is talking about the Travis Green pressers every single time because they're they just seem so lost. Yeah, like I, the way that he like I I listened to the most recent one and he just was like making jokes and he was like, Yeah, no, I already answered that question. He just seemed uninterested into anything that was going on. Which, I mean, the way I look at it with the star power and the quality of team that they have, they should be the West Coast version of the Toronto Maple Leafs. They've got, maybe not obviously to the same salary amount, but they've got very similar components. Um, In fact, they've got even more unique components, like you said, with uh, Quinn Hughes in the back end there. Um, he's, He's a star defenseman. Morgan Riley is teetering on it but like I would probably choose Hughes over Riley if I was going to be choosing like building a team from the ground up um but they should be in that position Thatcher Demko's a fantastic goalie he should be rivaling Campbell's numbers but he's getting peppered with these shots that he can't see and it's just I don't know it's it's really really quite sad really to watch it before the start of the season they were one of those teams that it's like okay they, they have to be at least third or fourth or fighting for wildcard. We're not sure which. They are sixth right now, or sorry, seventh um, in the Pacific, which when you look at um, uh, who, what happened in the Pacific, by the way, um, how is it that Anaheim is 10, 4, and 3? Like something is weird in the Pacific. Vancouver, they have time to make changes. But unfortunately for them, they could be too late on it now because the top three teams in the Pacific, the gap is widening every single day because Edmonton, Calgary, and Anaheim cannot lose, especially Anaheim. Yeah, the the Ducks are kind of showing that the moves that they've been making, and it's kind of similar when you look at like the Kings as well. Um, they have been quietly rebuilding and you know finding this talent that you know maybe right out of the gate wasn't this you know generational skill, but they've been finding the cohesion with their teammates. You've got uh, Troy Terry just out of nowhere. Uh, it feels like it was just like who's this kid? Like I, I remember I was playing uh, NHL 22. He didn't even have a picture. Yeah, that's how you know a player is not supposed to have, like, a lot of upside in the near future is when the video games are like, yeah, he's he's just got the default, like, Facebook avatar. Yeah, exactly. And then you've got um, Trevor Zegris, who's, you know, 
looking great. He looked great last year. He's looking really good this year. And then, like, you, you can't talk about the Ducks and just completely skip over Getzlaff. Because w- what a season he's been putting up already. Like, he's good for him. Plain and simple. You know what? I, I may not be his biggest fan, but damn it, good for him. That is awesome to see. Last year, he, it looked like he was going to retire. Like, nothing was going right for him. Already this year, he has more points than he did last year. He just hit that 1,000-game played marker. He has been in the league so long, he actually wore the like Mighty Ducks of Anaheim jersey when they were purple. Yeah, That's when it wasn't how long a, he's been in retro. the league. Like, it was the original, not the retro. <laughs> and he just got his 1,000th point in the league. The Ducks are, they were, I agree, they were one of those teams that were supposed to be like, yeah, a few years out. And suddenly, minus San Jose, who started hot, they've kind of slid. Um, the California Slaughterhouse is back, and everybody else should be very worried. They they did it right. They got the young, the young players. They've let them blossom in the AHL or do the longer thing. They're not sending them up and down and up and down and getting the players into Twitter fights with the Utica Comets. Uh, that would be Cole Caulfield for those not in the know. Yeah, he's he's been called back up. We'll we'll get to that. But it, it just shows there's such a difference when a team takes time to look after their young players. Not everybody can come in like Kale McCarr, who just shows up in the playoffs and there's he hasn't missed a step since. Yeah. Sometimes it takes these kids some years, and when they are given the chance to shine, when they've had the reps against adults instead of against other teenagers, you get players like Troy Terry, who looks unbelievable, uh, Trevor Zegris, who looks unbelievable, and not to mention um, a big part in this, uh, I'll call myself out for this, because way back when on Ice Prep Podcast here, I had said that the Ducks are carried by the most underrated goaltender in the league in John Gibson. He's still underrated, but and it's still not carrying just, them though. Hey, but it's not just the goaltending. Yes. The Ducks are they look solid if your team if your team has a game coming up against them. Um good luck. Good luck. Uh because John Gibson is 100% if the NHLers go to the Olympics. He is going to be the goalie for the USA. That's how that in and of itself should be enough for you to go. Oh, yeah, we're in trouble if Anaheim is on the schedule. Yeah, no, I'm I'm not too thrilled that uh, when you when you look at Team USA, if you were to choose your top two goalies in the league right now based off of wins, um, it's John Gibson and Jack Campbell. Uh, so that's bad for anybody going against the U.S. Well, I think Jack Campbell uh, I was probably like a fourth or fifth string. If they haven't locked their roster in, I think he's getting a hard look at being at least the third goalie at this point. Absolutely, because I know that previously the talks were uh, Thatcher Demko, and I still sincerely believe that he he could make the roster, but I don't think he's going to be, unless he really shows off something in camp when they're uh, practicing and getting ready and everything like that, I I can't see him being, you know, not even a backup uh, at this point. He'll he'll be just kind of future considerations if we want to go down that route. Well, a few weeks ago, the obvious was, I know you hard disagree on the second one, was John Gibson, Connor Hellebuck, 
and then other goalie to be named. A lot of people had Thatcher Demko in that. I think based on how the last little bit has been, it could be, as of right now, Gibson, Campbell, Demko as your 1-2-3. The, I... the only thing that Campbell has going against him is when he's hot, he's hot. When he has one off game, it seems like it takes him a few games to get it back. Campbell? Yes. But no, no. Because if you want to look at, like, if we're doing the small sample size, I suppose, um, if you look at the game between the Kings, uh, where he was playing his 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 idol, pretty much, of Jonathan Quick uh, playing for the Kings, um, yeah, he had a really bad game. And then the next game, didn't he post a shutout? I'm thinking, yeah, I guess for this season, thinking back to last season, after he had that, like, record-breaking, True. he'd lose, and then it was like, oh... He, he lost again, or the Leafs would win by literally doing a full-on, like, hey, we scored a touchdown to win type thing. Uh, he to was me, hurt, though. Yes. He was battling an injury, and this is clearly him healthy. And him healthy is showing that he is the caliber of a starting goaltender for the national team of a team that has a very deep pool of good goalie prospects. Could you imagine if the Leafs had the tandem of Frederick Anderson and uh, Jack Campbell right now? <laughs> Freddie would somehow get hurt. Well, he, my he'd favorite walk my, into the ice and fall and be like, "My knee." My favorite thing right now is looking at the best goals against average in the NHL, and the top three are one's a Leaf, and uh, second and third are former Leafs. Yeah. It's the little things that make me feel good sometimes, Pat. I know, but you did mention this a little bit ago, and I think we should probably move over to Montreal. Because uh, there's a few <laughs> things that are happening in in you know the a Bell few. Center there. Uh, so uh, Carey Price, he's skating again, which is nice to see. Um, you know, depend doesn't matter how you feel. It's you know he he had to take a he had to take some time, um, and it is really really good to see that he is back on the ice. He's he's doing the training. He's not straining himself. I know obviously the Canadians they're not performing that well. And uh, he's not looking at that going, well, crap, I've got to get back on the ice. I've got to do, like, i got to be there for my team. Um, because at the end of the day, your health is more important. No matter who you are, your health is more important. And I'm glad that he's able to, I hope it's not eating at him too much seeing the numbers. And I hope he's staying away from it just so that he can take the time, heal himself, and get himself 100% so that he can be out there and then actually be that support for the team that they need. And there's a player on the Montreal Canadiens that kind of has that same type of sentiment, and this was Brendan Gallagher speaking to the media recently, kind of about what Pat just said. Great to see him, um, you know, especially coming into the rink after you know uh, an unsuccessful road trip. Um, you know, it's nice to see a... A positive face, a guy that uh, is working towards something. So it's um, you know we're we're here for him, whatever he needs, uh, and we're excited to to watch. I mean, obviously it's going to be some time here, but to see him just working to get back and uh, back to doing what he loves to do and what we love to see him do is is nice. Since I've been here, everyone always talks about you know the the Carey Price presence, uh, what he brings is his just what he means to this group. Uh, and so yeah, just having him around is is nice. He means a lot to our team. Uh, he's obviously a friend to all of us and uh, you know a very important part of this team so to see him back in the rink just working towards uh, like I said working towards getting back and, and doing what he loves to do is, is good and positive to see 
Another thing with the Montreal Canadiens, by the way, welcome back, everybody, is Cole Caulfield has been called back up, or as the Canadiens fans like to call him, Goal Caulfield. I, I could care less. I don't... <laughs> you had this on the show notes, and I was looking at it, and before we started this, I said, I don't care. I don't want to talk about Cole Caulfield. You know what? He had a couple goals. He scored twice in overtime, which apparently is all he can do last season. And then he goes into the playoffs. He plays decently in the playoffs. And then, uh uh-oh, maybe it's not him who's bad. It's the Montreal Canadiens are bad. So what do they do? They just dump him to the minors. They're just, you know what? He He's a good player. He needs time to develop. I don't care. Just give him time in the AHL. I know that they're they're short on people, but, like, I would pull up anybody else but him. He shouldn't be on the ice. Like, it, it, nothing to do with his height or anything like that. It's development. He needs to develop the skills more. He needs to get the confidence back. Um, maybe he did, and you know what? Maybe I'm going to eat all my words that I'm saying right now. But if somebody said, tell me your thoughts on Cole Caulfield in 30 seconds or less, I would be able to do it in two seconds, and it would be, I don't care. (laughs) So that's how Pat feels about Caulfield. Yeah, He is one of those interesting hockey players, because you look back to last season, the Canadians are struggling. Will they make the playoffs? Won't they make the playoffs? There's no way. And then suddenly things start to turn around. Caulfield gets into the lineup. He starts to score. They start to score. They start to win. They knock off the Leafs in Game 7. They knock off Winnipeg. They knock off Vegas. They lose to the Lightning, which, as we all know, that was the inevitable way for that to end. But he looked like a player that was ready to slot in. He looked like he might have been like Nick Suzuki in that, okay, he doesn't need that much time down in the minors to be able to be a game-changing player. And then this season starts, they don't have Carey Price, they don't have Shea Weber, they don't have Philip Deneau, so suddenly he's exposed, and because of that, uh, well, you heard Pat's take, and he's not wrong. No, because, like, he's a Montreal Canadian for now. I can, like, I'm willing to bet that he won't be a Montreal Canadian within two years. Um, is is he the next uh, member of the Carolina Hurricanes? Well, you you say that they lost, they don't have Price, they don't have Weber. You know, they're all or Dano. They're also missing like other really key pieces that worked well with him, and that's Corey Perry and Kotkaniemi. The two of them were really important pieces to the team. As you can hate Corey Perry all you want, he has a Stanley Cup. Um, he went to the Stanley Cup defending team, going for a three-peat, Apparently, him and you know Pat Maroon are just gonna wreck people they've, in the they've playoffs. faced each other three times in a row so now they're on the same team yeah but like cory perry did good things in front of the net that's what he did kotkin suzuki and caulfield play really well together but now they removed one of the key pieces because i don't know they just treated him like garbage the whole time that he was in montreal um so hopefully carolina like actually appreciates him as a player um but like it's just Cole Caulfield needs so much support for him to be successful. And there's a lot of players like that in the league that their success is based solely off of everyone else around them. That the moment they're no longer with a person that is like the perfect complement, but like 
80% of a compliment. It's just, oh, they're terrible. And they just slide, slide, slide and disappear. So that's what I see. Like, I, I see him literally as the next uh, Galchenyuk. Wow. Okay. He's talented. He's got a lot of talent, but it's going to take him a long time to find that proper pairing. And by the time he does, the team will lose faith in, faith in him. Montreal already is starting to slide that way because they clearly saw him as the way to fix what was going wrong with the team when really it was the team that was wrong with the team. Um, so if they're already willing to just, you know, dump and run with him, I wouldn't be surprised if he was gone in two years. The more you say, and depending on who is running the team, you're not wrong because they have shown that they're not worried about getting rid of recent high draft pick players. So I'm trying to find the fault in your argument and I'm not seeing it, uh, especially when you bring up Galchenyuk because that's the Montreal special. Yep. Get a player with this super high ceiling uh, not do anything right, ship them off to Arizona. Like, th- this is what, f- I know this is kind of a weird comparison, but it's kind of like what Fox TV did to Futurama Family Guy and Firefly. I call them the three Fs, where they just, they set them <laughs> up for failure. They they had a really good start. They had really good episodes, minus Firefly. They started, I think it was on the second episode. They didn't even run the pilot. But they, they started off really strong, and then they just kept moving them. They couldn't find the spot for them, and it ruined it. And then they all three of them got canceled. And then, oh no, what happened? The moment that they realized their folly and the fans were upset, then they rebooted them. They had all these things happen to it, you know, money invested to it, and they were able to be revived. And that, to me, is what Cole Caulfield is going to be to the Montreal Canadiens. It's going to be this person that they can't slot in. Every single time they bring him up, they put him in a position that's way too much work for him. So like putting him directly on the first line or something like that. Something that's going to be harmful versus helpful. They're going to send him back down. He's going to be doing this dance for the next year and a half and then they're going to trade him next year at the trade deadline because they won't see the value in him and then he's going to explode on another team. This is one we'll have to save because it'll either be... It's going to go three ways. You're going to be exact, you're going to be dead wrong, or it's going to be somewhere in the middle. And for Montreal Canadiens fans, I honestly hope you are dead wrong. But if the past is any indicator of the future, you're probably on to something. As as much as I hate to say that to Habs fans, it's this is what Bergevin kind of does. He screws over young players. If he falls out of love with them, it's done. The moment that he's just like, ah, I'm a bit iffy on you. Pack it up. You're done. See ya. Maybe he'll go skate with Perfetti. That'd be a fun line. <laughs> I'd watch that. I'd pay money to see those two skate together. He he is one of those he is one of those new style of players in Cole Caulfield that yes, give him time. He's he needs that I agree. Somebody with him that has that presence of I'm going to protect you and I can set you up to do these superstar things. And yeah, you I go into <laughs> these expecting to be like, no, Pat, you couldn't be more wrong. And then you're like, here's point A through Z. And I and I go, where's there? There's nothing wrong with the logic because you, you've got the facts to back it up. 
I hope Canadians fans can be like, well, actually, no, here's why it will work out. I hope it's that way. Yeah, prove me wrong. Every, every team has seen this type of thing happen with a young player that was rushed to the NHL too soon, and there was an overhype aspect to it. So who knows? Maybe he puts up a hat trick tonight when we're recording this on Thursday. Maybe by the time that the Habs play their second game, he's just killing it, or he's back in Lavelle. Who knows? I mean, if we're going to be using Gallagher, or not Gallagher, Galchenyuk as uh, an example, he can play hockey really well, but it's just, is he valued? And that's, I think it's it's less about how well he can put points up, and it's more about, like, look at how fast they changed tone on Domi. I mean, that was a good call, because holy. But it's just, it's interesting. But if we are going to be talking about star players, or, you know, perceived star players, I think we should probably chat quickly, just a little tiny little bit, um, about Lafreniere. Uh, because I saw something that was really, really interesting that I think you disagreed on, but I thought it was interesting. Maybe it's because of your homer bias, uh, because you don't like the Rangers, but the fact that New York, the one thing that was said was maybe New York Rangers weren't really ready for him because they didn't expect to get this first round draft pick. They didn't they expect to win the lottery. They jumped way up in the lottery. Yeah, they, they skyrocketed that lottery. They literally won the lottery and didn't know what to do with their winnings. Because you look at, I believe he's a left wing. Um, I really should come prepared for these podcasts. Um, but you look at the people that are in front of him. And, like, the Rangers have so much depth that Panarin is on their second line. Panarin. Come on. He's behind Kreider. At least the last line setup that I saw. Well, so. and it, Panarin is the best player on the team, but yeah, you would rather have Kreider with the few of the playing against the tougher opponents. That I can agree with. But yeah. La- the, to me, the thing with Lafreniere is the same thing with Nico Heischer, who's another first overall pick mm-hmm. in that. Well, it was a little less with Nico because everybody thought that Nolan Patrick was the better player. He had other injuries. Now he's with Vegas. That's a whole other thing. Yeah. Lafreniere was supposed to be Sidney Crosby 2.0. This, he was supposed to be, he was lauded as a generational superstar player. But if you looked at everything leading into it, he had one good season in the queue. And then after that, he kind of recessed way back down to kind of what we're seeing. None of how he's playing is surprising if you look at what the numbers were saying going into that draft. He was Mm -hmm. always going to go first overall because of the hype. You look around him in that draft, and could you imagine the Rangers with some of the other players from that draft instead of him? That is a scary thought, but he could be one of those players that, who knows, two or three years down the line, he could be one of those power forward style, kind of like what Josh Anderson has become. He he has it all. It's just not all working. I don't think the experiment with him has failed. I just think they have to look at this player differently. He's They have the superstars. Let him grow into what he needs to. It's taken Nico Heischer a couple years to become one of the best defensive forwards in the game. 
Sometimes it takes these players time, but because he's first overall, the expectation is he comes into the league, he dominates right away, and everybody talks about him, and everybody has the jersey, and he was supposed to change everything because he was the first player that had the accent on his jersey, and now all the other players in the league are starting to be allowed to. So it's there was a lot of hype behind it. He was supposed to be drafted in Montreal, but the pandemic happened. So there, there's like this mystique around Lafreniere, but he's he's a good player. He's not elite. Yeah, I mean the other thing too, if you look at the the two and three um, after them, and that's uh, you've got Timmy Stew or Jimmy Stew, uh, Tim Stutzla, um, and then Quentin Byfield, um, and watching the uh, the World Juniors because that's that's really where you got to see. Um, the skills and everything put put to the test and everything so like that. So Quinton Byfield, uh, the previous year and uh, the year before he was drafted, um, I wasn't that impressed. Uh, so watching him play live as well, when he would play against the London Knights, uh, I, I got to see him twice. And he looked really good against the London Knights. On Team Canada, he, he didn't look great, so... LA did the right thing when they drafted Quentin Byfield and said, you're good, you know what you're doing, you've got a good head on your shoulders, but we need to condition you. We need to put you in the AHL, we have to get you right, get your feet ready, and going. Unfortunately, that injury, he was going to be in the starting lineup by the looks of it, but that injury right in the middle of uh, the um, the preseason kind of took him out and he's going to be out for a while more. I think it was something, uh, I think it was a break, unfortunately. Um, but he looked so much better, so much better because he spent that time in the AHL. Tim Stutzla didn't because Ottawa has been hurting for talent. Um, and Lafreniere, in my opinion, well, you know what, Tim, he did look good. He does look good on the ice. He looks, in my opinion, better than Lafreniere. Lafreniere, I feel, should have spent time in the AHL to get himself more comfortable and ready for what was about to come. And you know a player that did spend that extra year and wasn't called up right away that is kind of a dominating force right now? Uh, He went fourth overall to the Detroit Red Wings Uh, this season. You have definitely heard of Lucas Raymond because he leads rookies in all points and he's tied for 10th in the league in scoring right now. So that's one of those, there's always going to be players in almost every draft minus a couple years where the not first overall pick will be the best player in that draft. Give Lafreniere time. This is coming from somebody who, if the Rangers completely imploded, I would be very happy. If he gets time, if they properly let him grow, he is going to be a player that the league is going to hate. But there was the expectation that he was supposed to come in and he was going to be just scoring goals left, right, and center. But you can't do that when you have the players above that are paid to do that that much better and have for years. A lot of teams run into this issue. New York just had, they have the issue of too much of a good thing right now. Yeah. And unfortunately, Lafreniere is getting the, he's getting the like, disgusting sides in the meal because everybody else is getting all the good stuff. Yeah, but so you're say you're in the position of the New York Rangers. You win this lottery and you know the first overall is Lafreniere. 
You know what position he plays. You know the type of game that he plays. And you look at your roster and you think to yourself, because it clearly went through their head, oh boy, where are we going to put him? Are we going to put him well, on the third of, of, line? Right, like, And they didn't want to be the first team that didn't like straight up call up the first overall pick. So there, there's this whole thing there. I mean, if you look at the I would the Rangers looking at their looking at their stats, that's a that's a whole other thing. Um, aside from their like their top few players are scoring really well between Panarin, Fox, Kreider, and Zibanejad. After that, it's a cliff. Yep, they have a lot of players on that team. Um, I guess they spent a little bit too much money getting Ryan Reeves, and they should have spent a little bit more worried about the rest of their team but at the same time who am I to say anything when they're still a good spot in the standings they've got a ridiculous goalie that they're 10 three and three so as much as I want to be like hey here's all these bad things they're probably the best one of the highest point teams in the league right now that has a zero goal differential and that should say everything about who they are yeah I mean it's also the, the, they're running into because there was the Jack Hughes and uh, Capo Caco, you know, who was going to go first sort of thing. You know, the battle between New Jersey and New York, which was kind of lovely. I really enjoyed that sort of like, what's going to happen? Um, but I don't know. It's just I think that there's a whole other conversation uh, that really needs that we'll probably have at some point uh, getting closer to draft day. Um, and that is, um, are they ready? Like, uh, are are they making the right calls? And, like, is this going to be a year of good or is it going to be a year of mediocre? Because you look at some of the draft years and you've got right out of the gate these stars. Like, you can see it, you can feel it, you can smell it. But then you've got other seasons or other draft years where it's just like, yeah, this is, this is an AHL for a year or two kind of draft. And you know what team did it right? Buffalo. They had the first overall pick. Where is he? Playing for Michigan with what? I think it's three of the top five or six picks from the last draft. Yep. So it Buffalo finally broke the trend of you don't always have to play the first overall player immediately. Lafreniere, I, I agree. He would have benefited from a little bit more time. He'll he will get it going because good players like that with his skill level, they will eventually get it going. Um the the devil's fan in me hopes he never does, but the hockey fan in me hopes that he he can get things figured out because that, that will be scary. The Rangers are already scary. We don't need them with another player of even Chris Kreider's level because that would be unfair. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. Um, now, the one thing that I think that we should talk about because uh, we're kind of running a little longer here again like we tend to do i think that we should probably move into what we think the games of the week so the games that you should probably mark in your calendar you know if it's a later game chug a crap ton of coffee and just make sure that you can watch and enjoy it um last week let's run through those ones real quick last week i said that you had the jets oilers or because that was going to be the good game or the Chicago Seattle. Um, So Chicago Seattle was on Wednesday night and Jets Oilers was on Tuesday night. And let me tell you, guess who was right on both? Both were (laughs) great. Not only did I earn Tim Horton's points, but 
the uh, on both of those games actually, uh, but the Winnipeg Edmonton game was that rematch from the playoffs of the two Canadian teams fighting their way through, and man, it was great, great game, lot of really good pace, really really enjoyed it. And Jets go up four nothing early. It looks like it's going to be just a complete wipe, and then suddenly Edmonton Drysaddle gets goal sixteen and goal seventeen of the season, and that made it interesting. And then obviously it it ended up being 5-2, but who would, like, we know you don't like the Oilers, but that Oilers-Jets game, when you saw it was 4-0 and you see Dreisaitl score that first power play goal, that's almost like, well, now you kind of have to turn it on because you know that they're going to start crawling back. And then, as you said, the Seattle-Chicago game, <laughs> um, who who had Alex show. DeBrinkett on their bingo card as getting a Gordie Howe hat trick? No one. But I knew that there was going to be a fight because that's all Seattle's really good at. Um, as soon as they started Grubauer, I was like, great, it's going to be a decently high-scoring game. I mean, it wasn't – it was six goals, but even still, that's six goals. Um, it was fun to watch because apparently they were just mad at each other for some reason. I don't know. Yanni Gord is weird. He smiles through everything. He was getting punched in the face and he was smiling. He felt like I would be terrified to run into him in an alleyway. Um, But that was a lot of fun for two teams that aren't that great. A lot of fun to watch. And then the other one was also on Wednesday night between the Capitals and Kings. Caps got the 2-0 shutout there. Um, And they're honestly, even if you're not watching for the Ovechkin goal counter, they are they look scarier than when they won the cup right now. Yes. I I've watched two of their games this season and like from start to finish and I the whole time I was just like, "Oh boy, this is this is a team that's kind of toying with other teams. It, it feels like they're playing with their food." That they're one of those teams that they are they look regular season strong, they look playoff scary. Well, the, the one thing that I noticed about them, I watched, I can't remember which game it was, but I watched a game, and I thought they were on the power play for almost half the period. But they just, they'd go into the offensive zone, and they just, they just skated around with the puck like they were on the power play. And the defending team couldn't do anything. They couldn't touch the puck. They couldn't get near it. They they look good. As long as they stay healthy and they keep this momentum going, I, I would put my hat into the Washington Capitals ring to say that, you know, they're at least in the top four. Oh, if not higher. And what's and looking for this oh, no, week's like game of the week? Semifinals top oh, four. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> that, that I agree with. And if not, President's Trophy team again. Mm-hmm. And what's fun for the games of the week this week, looking at what we have uh, written down, all different teams too, which is kind of fun than what we had presented last week. Um, so the first one is on uh, Sunday night. This one I glossed glossed over, and then you said it, and it was like, oh, oh, wait, yes, that, that could be a very, very fun game because you've got a goalie that, as of this recording, has four shutouts who's going to be in net. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to So that's uh, the Calgary-Boston game. So Calgary and Boston, not only points-wise are they relatively close, 
Um, but their gameplay style is also relatively similar. So uh, unlike uh, the Washington Kings game where it was, you know, the grit and the grind and just, you know, the system, the system, the system that Washington is and the speed that the Kings are um, and those chrome buckets. Oh, the chrome helmets. Love them. More of that. All I want to see that against Vegas with the gold. Oh, yeah. Silver and gold. They're the Kings. They're only knights. So anyways... <laughs> no more talking about shiny things. Uh, look at how well they distracted me. But Calgary and Boston, that's going to be a really good matchup. Both of them are very grindy teams. You've got Lucic on one side, and then you've got Boston on the other. So uh, Lucic and even uh, Big Z Zadorov, the other Big Z, not Zidane Ojara, but the other Big Z, uh, he is known to throw up some hits that are scary. So uh, that one I'm really, really looking forward to because I feel it's going to be chippy. It's going to be a really tight game, I hope. Um, and it just, I don't know, there's something about that game that intrigues me. And I don't follow either of those teams in any capacity. And I'm not a huge fan of either of those teams. But I'm going to be watching that game because it's going to be a good game. And Leaf fans should be very much eyeing that game because it is Boston and they're currently fifth in the division because the Detroit Red Wings are just, they're still trucking along. Mm -hmm. That one, if I'm able to on Sunday night, absolutely. It'll be between that and there is a Leafs game that night as well. I tend to watch that because I can get away with watching it. Mm, it's it's tougher to watch other games. Yep. The other game that we're looking at as part of our game of the week this week is on Wednesday and it's going to be the first time taking a look at your avalanche. Yeah, so that one is going to be not fun. Um, this is your There's... game of the week. This is not my game of the week. This <laughs> is the reason for me then. to drink of the week is really what it's going to be. If we go back to earlier in the podcast, you might remember um, we both said, if your team is playing against Anaheim, it's not going to be a fun time. Especially uh, if your team is missing like 80% of the team. I mean, we're not night. Ottawa, but... <laughs> uh, the Ducks taking on the Avalanche. Uh, if this was preseason looking ahead at this game, it was don't even bother watching. It's going to be just... It's going to be over, no problem. Uh, it's probably going to be a tight game. Because not a lot of teams can score a lot of goals on the Ducks. Uh, the Avs, they've, they've looked a little bit better defensively, if yep. we're being honest. Their goaltending's starting to step up. But the Ducks can just score at will right now. Yeah, the, the Ducks have been undressing defenders, and that's the part that's kind of concerning me a little bit, is as much as the defense core is starting to look like a core on the Avalanche... Um, you know, it's it's tough. I'm wondering, like you mentioned before, with Leonard seeing so many shots. I mean, that Kemper played for Arizona, and that's pretty much all he saw. He he didn't get he didn't have time to even think, let alone breathe or have a drink of water with the amount of shots he saw when he played for them. So maybe the reason he was so damn good was because he saw so much volume and it kept his blood a going. And now with the abs, I mean, at one point uh, against Vancouver, I think it went something like 11 minutes without a shot on goal. And then he had 12 in a row. So it's, it's tough. That one I'm not looking forward to. Um, I will for sure not watch it because I don't think my anxiety can handle that. So two games this week we've got. If you're, if you're looking for potentially not your team's games to watch, 
on Sunday, the Flames and Bruins. On Wednesday, the Ducks and Avs. That one's obviously going to be a little bit of a later game, so if you can't get to it, there's the highlights you can watch in the morning. I think that's a good place to wrap it up for today. Um, there's still a lot going on in the league, but we can get that to that another time. Uh, it's been a fun episode. I didn't think we would talk as much about the Rangers as we did. Um <laughs> It, when this all started, if you said, "Hey, you're gonna you're gonna talk about the Rangers for the while," it would have been like, "No, no, we're not." But you know, I, I'm just persuasive. What can I say? So I want to thank everybody for joining us for this fourth episode of Ice Prep Podcast. You can find us on every major podcast platform. Uh, we've got Ice Prep Podcast as the socials everywhere. You can actually watch this on YouTube now, not with us on video, but with. You can see it on YouTube, so if you enjoy having that in the background, you can also enjoy us that way. Uh, you can follow Pat on Twitter, at ThatPatL. Myself, at It's Woodrow. Pat, anything to add before we sign off? No, except for uh, I'm glad that it's not our faces on video because nobody needs to see my Movember mustache because it is, as somebody said, haunting and a reason for them to have nightmares. So I guess we can add, we'll add this in the description as well. If you do want to donate to Pat's Movember cause, you can find the link to that on his Twitter page. We'll also put that in the description. If you want to, that would be amazing. If not, at least show support for Movember. Movember.